Welcome to Straight from the Tap podcast, where Cindy and Haynes tackle the important and not so relevant topics that you want and need to hear. You are listening to Straight from the Tap. I'm Cindy. And I'm Haynes. And I had my birth surgery this Friday. Just my voice is a little weird and soft and coming in a delicate and beautiful. Today we're going to interview Cindy. <laughs> Why am I whispering? Because you're whispering. Today, I'm going to try to not whisper so y'all can actually hear us. But today we're going to interview Cindy about her no burp surgery. And I still don't know how to say her condition. I figured it out finally. I basically had the pre-op nurse explain it to me. Retrograde cryopharyngeal dysfunction. It's wait, wait, wait. Let me say it. Retrograde cryopharyngeal dysfunction. Cricopharyngeus dysfunction. Retrograde cricopharyngeus. Medical terms in general are just completely unnecessary, and I really think they're just used to make doctors seem smarter than people. Um, Isn't it Latin-based? Maybe you're right. Like, medicine is the earliest art. Is that a thing? No, no, I just made it up. Because doctors do look at medicine as an art or a craft. Sorry that doctors, I'm not trying to rag on doctors, but you say that doctors look at medicine like an art, yet all the doctors in our country are like learning things that pharmaceutical industries have paid people to teach them, and then it's just recycling all into this. Trust the science and don't question science society and if you question science and you're dumb conspiracy conservative but here i am going on a ramble but also i really appreciate the doctors who did this to me so oh yeah Yeah. the specialist how did you find her pretty much like everyone in this no burp world has found out about this disorder dysfunction um through a forum and reddit it's called our the subreddit is no burp and I think it consists, there's 14,000 members there now. And there also was this viral TikTok that came out about a month ago, which also has sent a bunch of people. But basically there's this one doctor who looked into this disorder and realized that it's a thing. And he had like something like 80 or 90% of the patients that come to him were sent by this Reddit page or this TikTok video explaining what this thing is. It's a very new concept and a lot of people just don't a lot of people probably have it and don't realize that it's a thing and then there's other people that are like okay you can't burp but like how is that really a big deal and how could that affect your life so much so it's been really cool to kind of see that growing and seeing that world getting more attention and more focus in 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 the research world okay so i follow this instagram account called bunion awareness and it's kind of a similar concept where Except, I mean, a lot of people have bunions, but a lot of people have a, like, negative stigma about bunions because the word sounds, like, terrible. It sounds like you have this dirty, crusty onion on your, growing out of your foot. But what it really is, is just kind of like a bone spur. And it has nothing to do with, like, fungus or anything alive. I mean, I guess you consider your bones to be alive. But 
it's not like some sort of foot fungus the way that it sounds because you hear bunion and you're just like, ew, bunion. Do you have bunions? Yeah, I have bunions. Bunion awareness. Saying that I have very nice hands and feet. Hence my porn star manicure. <laughs> and I think I noticed a bunion or bone spur or something, a very small developing one. And I will say it did give me severe anxiety. And it, I, I think it's a part of uh, growing up. I'm Is not, it's on the outside, like near my pinky toe. That's all right. So there's two places that have bunions. One is the more common one um, along your big toe. And I'm pretty sure bunions are much more common in women because the types of shoes that they're, um, that are made for them are consistently too narrow. Because all these Viking women are walking around in their heels. Yeah, I mean, what did Vikings wear? Not gladiators. Sandals. Did they go barefoot? I bet they did. Yeah, boots with the fur. They were up north. And apple bottom <laughs> shoes. <laughs> that came later. I think that was the Europeans, <laughs> the fashionistas in Berlin or something. But no, so you have the bunion by your big toe, which is very common, and then there's also bunions by your pinky toe. And this kind of goes back to last episode, being tall and having a foot size that was like three and a half sizes larger than most of the girls in my grade. I would always try and downsize my shoes when I would go shopping. So I was walking around in my growing years in shoes that were a size or two too small for fear of looking like Bigfoot because I had this picture that it's still on my mom's fridge of me when I was in the fourth grade and my feet had pretty much stopped growing. Like I was a size nine in fourth grade. Oh, that happened to my sister. <laughs> and so there's this picture of me. It was like a class picture day and I look like this cute little nine-year-old and then it was like a clown. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they weren't even tied. So it just made it that much worse. And that picture just really haunted me. And so I forced myself into small shoes and I got bunions. But basically, um, there's this Instagram account I follow called, is it Bunion Awareness? Or maybe Bunion Awareness is a campaign. And so I'm all about like weird health campaigns and making those things less stigmatized. I wish I could say I have a weird condition, but I really don't think I do. Your eye. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. That's my favorite thing about it. Oh no. I'm very insecure about my lazy eye. And I'm actually, um, okay. So what happens is I, if I look up into the right, my left eye goes straight up into my head. And it is, and I never realized, so my parents were very much the kind of parents that always told me that I'm beautiful and perfect and all this stuff. And so I, be, I, I came to believe it. And then one day in the seventh grade, some girl in class asked me, I transferred to public school, mind you, from private Catholic school. So my world was exploded in seventh grade. And so this girl in my class, I was very, very smart. I always had the answers and I was a teacher's pet. And I turned around to answer her question and I looked over my right shoulder back at her and she goes, she she looked at me like she'd just seen a ghost and her eye she was like oh my god what's going on with your eye like what the fuck is wrong with your eye and i'm like i was like 
I don't know what you're talking about. You know, little Catholic school girl. I'm wearing my like air apostle polo tucked into my low rise patchwork Bermuda shorts with Sperry's and my tiny pearl earrings and no makeup and caterpillar eyebrows and braces. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to help you. And then the teacher like yelled at her and then it got super awkward. She had to come and apologize. And I never realized that I had a lazy eye, but now I do because even as I went into college, my friends started to point out that it, my crazy eye would come out whenever I was drinking more and more. And so whenever my eyes started going all these different directions, my friends were like, all right, time for Haynes to slow down. So that was uh, always, so I guess that is what I'm really insecure about. And I, maybe I should get on the lazy eye subreddit, but it's not super wonky. I'm not one of those people where I'm looking at you and you don't know where I'm looking. Yeah, that's tough. It, it was really unfair because I was in a job interview with a girl that had, I think, one fake eye. And it and it was so distracting. I bombed the interview. And it's I blanked. I zoned out. It was really hard. Oh, God. So, yeah, uh, justice for lazy eyes, I guess. And, you know, I, I do kind of give my parents credit for this one but I, I guess it's it's negative credit because we were going through baby pictures one day yeah. and there's a picture of three-year-old Haynes helping mom cook and dad went to go take a picture and I look over my right shoulder back at the camera <laughs> and what do we see the lazy eye so anyway Cindy back to your no burp condition when did you first realize that you couldn't burp my stomach issues have been happening about 20 um the exact same thing happened to my sister when she this was is rather new. Uh, relatively new, yeah. I was, I was, you know, perfectly fine in high school. I don't remember anything extraneous, you know, that stands out. Um, most of my college years, I was fine, and then kind of like the senior year of college, my stomach and digestive system just started. I like realized I was pooping for weeks at a time. Like, hmm, that's not really normal. Um, my sister had experienced the exact same thing when she was my age. She's two years older than me. But when she was about 20, she started to have these same things. And my therapist actually kind of told me that it's very common for, like, white women of Western European descent to have these weird, inexplicable stomach and digestive issues. So I think there is something genetic about it. I um, do have friends that need to be listening to this. Yeah. You um, know who you are. <laughs> um, I can thank the Vikings for my height and my sheer will. For domination, I can't necessarily thank them for digestive issues. Issues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds like Lord Voldemort. <laughs> I can thank them for my accent too. Did you catch that? What was it? It was a burp. Okay, so all right, so like since Cindy's over, I think she just shed a tear. So since the procedure, they said that I would experience what what is called a micro burp for the first maybe week to three weeks, and then like my belches would start to come out after that but anyway so I kind of did the whole thing that my sister did which was really just go around to a bunch of doctors and try and get some sort of clarity on the situation and just like her nothing was coming of it she did a really drastic change to her diet and lifestyle and I didn't really have the same not motivation but it just wasn't a right fit for my lifestyle to do what she did exactly um, what did she do? What was her diet? She just went super, like, hardcore vegan, health, like, completely no sugar, and, and I just can't do that. That's, you know, that's just not me. And, I mean, kudos to her. She's very, like, she's the healthiest person I know as far as, you know, diet and stuff like that. But 
it just, it wasn't for me. And I knew that like in my heart and my gut, I just knew that that wasn't the answer. And sure, I could be healthier and cut out more sugar and dairy, but like I knew ultimately that it was still going to have the issue. So I pursued it more. And then maybe I want to say like two years ago, I don't know exactly what it is, but I kind of put two and two together that like, I've never burped. I can't really throw up. I never throw up when I'm drinking alcohol, even though I feel terribly sick sometimes. Like if I overeat, I can't throw up and I basically just have to sit and live with it and most people that's not normal and for most people it's not normal to you know look like you're nine months pregnant after eating lunch um and that was happening to me and so, so how many times have you been I mean at this point like I'm prepared to be pregnant at this point my skin and my stomach is so exercised I feel Ooh. like I'm not gonna get birth, birth um stretch marks birthmark oh. yeah I'm like totally prepared and I know people who have been out there that have babies you're like no you're not prepared you don't even know what you're getting yourself into you're so I relax so I don't I get it the most terrifying awful thing I could ever imagine and I really don't want to push anything out of my vajayjay yeah no I'm good side note story uh my boyfriend and his brother as we've mentioned before are huge human beings my boyfriend is very wide and muscular and handsome and his older brother is very tall and also muscular and both of them and their dad have huge heads just big heads like hats don't sit on their heads well but that also makes them very intelligent genius my boyfriend is very, very smart. So good at trivia, too, and always wins at, like, games and puzzles. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so they have very big heads. So his mother, their mother, my boyfriend and his brother's mother, love her to death. She's hilarious. She's a very tiny You love baby. your brother too much mother. Yeah, yeah, and that's a tongue twister. She's, she's very small, so she's probably what are you what height are you five she's probably five seven five eight but i swear she weighs like 120 pounds maybe 125 she's she's just one of those very like small frame but tall people and she loves telling this story that she was walking through the store one day with her two sons and they were probably like three and five or five or seven, mm-hmm. five and seven or something. And they probably looked like those toys, like walking around with tiny bodies and big heads, like oh, bobbling, no. like little bobbleheads walking around. And apparently this lady in the store walked up to her and goes, excuse me, excuse me. And their mom stops what she's doing and looks at them. And she goes, you push those big heads out of your vajayjay? <laughs> and that is the funniest story. But she loves to advertise that she had C-section. She did indeed yeah. not. So, all right. So your your baby grows in your uterus, not your vagina. So if you have a C-section, does your vagina still stay tight after they're taken out? Because you haven't pushed anything through it to stretch it? I guess so. Well, apparently, if you give a natural birth, you, like, rip open. That's if you're lying on your back, which is something that was invented by doctors. Because back in the day, when... Women were cave ladies. Cave lady. Viking women. Viking women. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Right. This obsession with Vikings has come from this TV show that I've been watching with my boyfriend. The main character, his name is Ragnar Lothbrok. Lothbrok. What's the show? It's called Vikings. Oh. And holy fuck, I have never had a celebrity crush like this. Like, I think about him constantly. Oh. And, like, he's not the best person. Like, he cheats on his wife. 
he does bad things. Would like, you let him give you big-headed yes. babies? Yes. Would you if give birth? That, if would you give birth to his big-headed babies? Yes. Oh. I'm so obsessed with him. I want to give birth to him. Does that make sense? Oh, that's not as my son. I know what it sounds like. <laughs> you just need to know how I feel. Like I want to be so close to him. You are going to give you adjustments in yoga class. Yeah. <laughs> and be my gynecologist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, women are supposed to give birth, like, squatting or on their hands and knees in some position that naturally gravity can help push the child along the birth canal. There's there's this point in which you give birth where, like, your uterus and your vagina almost, like, squeeze itself. And they don't, they can't do that when you're lying on your back. Oh. There's just the, the, the capability is not there anatomically. So um, really you need like a squatty time. Yeah, yeah. You, you should not give birth on your back. Okay. Look it up. Look into it, ladies. It's a fucking scam. To so all our pregnant listeners out there, just make sure that you're really oh, like, get, ordering your squatty potty. Talk about so <laughs> when mothers just give birth, like it's a beautiful moment, and then you know, in a close family. Um, or your friend, it's your friend, and they've just given birth. A lot of times, the pictures that will get sent to you are pictures of the mother cradling the baby near her breast, and it's a beautiful picture, and everyone's like, oh, it's so sweet. But, like, in reality, like, you're seeing this person's naked boob and armpit fat, and, like, you know that they're just all naked, and I think that's really weird. No, but it's a beautiful moment. Uh, but, like, do I want that to send that to, like, my great uncle? Okay. I don't want him to see my boob and my armpit fat. season of The Bachelor, tiny 21-year-old Becca. Do you remember her? No, I She looked like Tinkerbell. Okay. She was 21 when she was on Ari's show, and she made it pretty far, but then she kind of, like, gave birth, or (laughs) she did eventually give birth. That's part of my story. But then she, so she didn't marry Ari, obviously. The other Becca married, it got engaged to Ari, but then they broke it off. Sorry, spoiler alert. But this Becca, I cannot remember her name right now. She kind of became like a hippie and married this hippie-ish man and lived a very eccentric life out in California. And she is very outspoken about natural births. And she's had two children. And she posted the full video of one of her natural births on Instagram. And I don't know why I watched the whole thing in a bathtub. Like her mom is there. Her boobs are there. Her big belly is there. The bloody, the bloody pool, the baby shooting out. I watched it all. And I'm like, why am I watching this? Out of respect, I probably shouldn't have watched it, but I just kind of lost myself. I went back to try to find it again, but I couldn't find it. Because people didn't believe me, but it was there. I swear I, I saw it. But, like, you can have a private photo album on, like, Shutterfly or some shit. Google Photos. Right, Google Photos. If you're, you know, if you're going to use Instagram as your photo blog and put whatever you want, it's your Instagram, so fuck it. And if you're spreading the word of the gospel by not having babies on your back, then, like, even better. So, yeah. So, about two years ago, I started to realize that this no burp thing was real. And my mom when I was talking to her and she was very involved in my digestive issues and getting me connected to all the correct doctors and stuff, which I can't thank her enough for being so involved with me and wanting me to feel better and just having that support system meant the world to me. But at one point she was like, yeah, you know, Cindy, like now that I think about it, 
I could never ever burp you as a child. They were always crying hysterically, like as an infant. It was terrible. Like it's not your fault, but it sucked because I'm your mom and I couldn't get to sleep because you couldn't burp and you would just always be this bloated baby. I'm like, that's it. And like a fucking light bulb went off. And so I did more research on it and I found this Reddit forum. And the rest is history. Did your documents believe no, so, okay, that's a, that's a great question. So I went to a, a couple doctors, and most people who've been in this forum have the same experience. A couple doctors who would either listen and kind of just nod and write it off and not really do anything. I've had, like, one doctor that was just, like, <laughs> that's preposterous, like, like completely. <laughs> right, like, someone who just hears me say, like, come to their practice and be like, I can't burp. And it's just like, they're like, what? Okay, like, come back when... You don't have you a belly button! Come back. <laughs> you don't have a belly button! <laughs> yeah, there's, like, some people that were just like, alright, we'll take ten doses of Miralax and come back. Like, and it fucking sucks. It does not make you burp. Okay, fun, not-so-fun fact. Miralax made me get a UTI because it made me shit myself, and I didn't even realize because my... my asshole was like so um desensitized that i was like sitting in my poop like a baby in a baby's diaper and i got a uti for my own e coli you're body shaming i too have pooped my pants before and it was gross (laughs) yeah she's canceled (laughs) very reason yeah yeah it's really fucking disheartening when you go desperately to someone that you consider a professional and they don't help you out or they don't even listen. Because, I mean, the doctors that listen but still have no advice, I still appreciate. But, you know, it's funny. In our master's program, Cindy and I both have our master's degree in healthcare administration. And in our master's program, they taught us that patient-centered care, listening to the patient, believing the patient is the most important thing. Yeah. And it's hard from an administrator to, like, come at a doctor and say, you have to do have a better bedside manner, like, because you're like, well, you don't even talk to patients at all, blah, blah, blah. So there's that whole fucking dilemma. But yeah, that is a whole nother rant. For it's, all it's, no, it's always the older doctors, too, that, that are just like, all right, I'm on my way out to retirement, and I'm, I'm, you know, it is what it is. I don't have time to learn about this new burp disorder. Although I did have a really shitty GI doctor who, like, basically just prescribed me all these prescriptions for my constipation. And, like, didn't try to tell me anything else. I feel like GI issues are very difficult to... Oh, wow. The burps are coming. (laughs) (laughs) GI issues are very difficult to just to to diagnose or prescribe. Because your stomach is just affected by so much. Like, I used to get awful stomach aches, but that was because I had undiagnosed anxiety. And whenever I would go to the doctor, my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts. They never were like, oh, maybe you should get on some some Prozac or Sertraline or Zoloft or something. It was always just a stomach thing. I had this amazing acupuncture therapist who kind of introduced me to the, uh, the to the concept of your gut and, and your mind being connected. And it's not even a concept, it's a fact that like serotonin is produced in your gut and it has a direct effect on your happiness and your depression levels and anxiety and stuff like that. So that's just a really cool side note and, and something that I've definitely experienced when my diet is better and, you know, when my mind's healthier and my diet's better and my my stomach feels better when I'm happier overall. It's just a really cool effect. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do feel a lot better whenever I put good food in my body and take care of myself. I think a lot of people could say that. 
so I do have a question. Speaking about foods, did you ever like try to change your diet to try to help your burping condition or other GI issues? Yeah. I've talked about this before and I I do really poorly when I set strict rules for myself. Um, so the times that I have tried to like seriously alter my diet, I haven't, I probably haven't stuck it out long enough to really see anything affect, um, or be affected, I should say. I have tried, I was vegetarian for about six months, which was probably the longest of like any diet that I've actually stuck to. But again, I wasn't really like, I wasn't really compensating for not eating meat by eating healthier alternatives. I was kind of just, you know, doing the peanut butter and mac and cheese vegetarian diet. I have tried no dairy, I've tried no gluten. I'm just not the kind of person that can go into a grocery store and look at every single ingredient, every single box and like live my life like that. I just can't do it. Did um, you feel like any of them helped you? The one that I felt like I was getting the most progress on was the low FODMAP diet, which is also kind of starting to gain more popularity. Basically, FODMAPs are a type of carbohydrate I think, or a protein. I think it's a it's a type of carbohydrate that some people just don't have the enzymes to digest them properly. And what's weird about FODMAPs is that they're found in a bunch of foods that you would normally think are healthy, like apples, bananas, banana. or, or regular like bananas. Not you can have an unripe banana, but once it's ripened, it it develops those FODMAPs. Um, so that's weird. But who the fuck's gonna eat an unripe banana anyway? So bananas, garlic, onions. Um, Which isn't everything. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. And obviously a lot of unhealthy foods have are high in FODMAP, but a lot of healthy foods are too. And so that one was very confusing. But I will say when I stuck to it for the, I think, two or three weeks that I was sticking to it, I would eat a whole dinner and I wasn't really getting too bloated, which was like a huge win for me. I'm so used to getting bloated like every time I eat. So that was really cool, but again, it just didn't really fit my lifestyle. I wasn't super happy, and with that alcohol, with the alcohol thing, it kind of started to consume me, and I was just like every thought I had was about this particular diet, and I'd rather be a little bloated than having that be my life. Speaking of the alcohol, did you ever like choose certain drinks to drink so that you would get less bloated? Like, did you try to get non-carbonated drinks, or did also did it affect your hangovers? Were your hangovers worse? Yes. I have my entire life, I never had a period where, like, I could drink and not get hungover. Like, people are like, oh, when I was 18, I could just drink and be fine and go to work the next day. I never had that. I would get absolutely debilitating hangovers since the time that I started drinking. My friends, when I was in college, used to make fun of me because I would wear, you know, like a, not a burka, but the thing that literally covers your entire face except your eyes. And then over my eyes, I'd have cucumbers. It's so fucking dramatic, but it's what I needed because I was just in so much pain. And hangovers are the worst, though. They're the fucking worst. Days where I just yeah cannot leave the bathroom. And uh, more recently, I've been getting really bad anxiety with my hangovers. Oh yeah, I think it's terrible anxiety. It's crippling. You're like, what did I do yesterday? Yeah. It's, Even if oh. I had a blackout and like I remember what happened, I'm still convinced that something happened. Like, I'm just I'm a mess. Oh no, me and me and my boyfriend talk about this. Like, it's almost like a trained mindset to have after you drink. It's like we would go out and have a good time doing something when we would have drank, but we yeah. don't, and we'd still wake up the next day being like, "Oh my god, what happened? Like, what did I do last night?" And then we're like, "Oh wait, we didn't even drink anything," or like, "I only had a glass of wine with dinner." Like, what? Yeah. But it's like we need to retrain our thinking. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's a really weird sensation, and I, I've I've started to notice it more when I drink. But as far as having worse hangovers because of my condition, I don't know that that's the case because I've had friends that their hangover doesn't really come out through their like a headache or something. It, they have stomach aches and really bad nausea. And you can't vomit though. Well, I didn't get those types of hangovers. My hangovers were always just pounding headache and kind of shakes and anxiety. But stomach-wise, I was always, like, ready to eat a bunch of food and, like, not super bloated. The night before would be terrible. The night before, I, I would be so bloated and I, I couldn't really eat anything or have any drunchies. Or if I did, it would just make everything worse. But So I, I don't know if, if it really had an effect on... So your inability to eat might have impacted... Because you were so bloated, probably made it so you were more hungover because you couldn't put any... Because didn't you yeah. tell me for Halloween, you were like, oh, I don't want to eat too much because then I won't be able to drink? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You, like, have to pick one or the other if you want to be able to have a couple drinks. Right, yeah. That if sucks. Eat, then I'm not going to be able to fit any booze in, so kind of have to pick pick for the night and then just have your Excedrin ready. Man, that sucks. So now I want you to explain a little bit more about the actual surgery. What did they do? Did you have anesthesia? What did the anesthesia feel like? Yeah, so um, it took a little while to get the surgery actually in the books. So the doctor I saw was in Charleston, and the list is growing, but at this point, there's still a pretty exclusive list, a small list of doctors who are familiar with the um, disorder, who won't laugh at it, and who are familiar with the procedure to treat it as well. So the closest one that I could find to Raleigh was in Charleston, and... Luckily, I happen to have best friend, my old roommate. Um, she lives extremely close to the um, health system where I was getting it taken place. So I got to I got my master's. Degree. Yeah, so I got to combine a nice, you know, friend visit every time I would go down for a visit or something. So um, I did my initial consultation with the doctor in Charleston. She had uh, a test ordered for me. It was like the I think it's a fluoroscopy. It's basically it's a barium swallow. So you go into like a radiology lab. You swallow this barium liquid, which is like a radioactive thing, so then the imaging can capture how your esophagus basically swallows it. That. So the barium tasted like almost like a chalky strawberry smoothie, so it wasn't as bad as I thought, and I was convinced that like, I mean, it's a radioactive... <laughs> Okay, I hate when people, all right, this happened a lot in high school, where, you know, you do, like, popcorn reading, and people are reading their paragraphs and their passages, um, and when do you ever call something a passage except in high school English class? You don't. Um, so, like, when people are reading, and they mix up the words, and then instead of just, like, moving on and repeating it, they'll just go, bleh, and, like, sort of, I hate that, and that's literally the first time I've ever done that, and I don't know why. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> It's like, get a fucking grip. Uh, <laughs> chalky strawberry smoothie. So um, I was also pleasantly surprised that this radioactive substance I thought was going to you know, give me some sort of stomach issue, an issue, if you will, um, because it's radioactive. But I actually felt perfectly fine after drinking it. So they captured the image um, on video, sent it to uh, my doctor in Charleston. She looked it over. She was actually looking to make sure that that was coming back to normal, because if it was abnormal, then she would probably not consider the Botox surgery to be what I needed and, you know, go to a different pathway. But once that proved to be normal, then it was kind of process of elimination. Like, that's probably the only thing that they needed to do. Does that make sense? So um, they ruled that out. So at that point, I was able to schedule my surgery. 
and so I had to just do a COVID test the day before, and then it was actually pretty stressful because my phone is having all these issues, <laughs> all these issues. I gotta think of a different word so I can stop saying issue problems, but I wasn't getting any of the calls that they give you the day before your surgery to tell you how to prepare and stuff like that. We were, I was freaking out. I ended up taking my SIM card out and putting it into my boyfriend's phone, at which point we realized that it's actually my phone hardware that's the issue. <laughs> okay, I gotta stop. My phone's hardware that is a problem because the SIM card worked once it was my boyfriend's phone. And then he was able to see all the voicemails that I had from all these calls that I never received. And embarrassingly, there's a call that I had saved there from like a year and a half ago from this guy that I used to date and he left me this really heart heartfelt message because I was ignoring all of his texts and he was like baby please like, come back to me oh, I treat you right so and so now that voicemail is on my boyfriend's phone and he knows about it because like I, I don't have any poker face and I saw the voicemail I'm like, <gasps> and I mean he could have listened to it for all I know I was out for three hours so Damn. I don't know but whatever so we're going through all these voicemails and finally there's one from the hospital saying, all right, well, since we never heard back from you, and I was convinced once I heard that, that they were going to cancel it because I never confirmed, but then they ended up just giving out the details over voicemail. I don't think they were supposed to do that. They were supposed to like actually make verbal contact with me, but they left all the details on the voicemail, and they were like, you have to come in at 530. I'm like, oh, fuck. But it's fine, because I probably would have woke up early anyway, you know, out of excitement. So I get there at 530. Super excited. I check in, go back to pre-op, and I basically do a pee test. I get unchanged. Um, they had me try and take out all of my jewelry. So I have a nose ring, and I have two rings on my cartilage on my left ear. And the nose ring came out just fine. The two earrings on my ear would not come out for the life of me. It really hurt. But, yeah, they ended up just taping them down. I was kind of hoping that they would just take them out while I was under, because if I can't get them out now, then that's probably a problem. But I'll just deal with that at a later date. So that would all that was all fine. And then they once I was in my hospital gown and in the bed, that's when shit kind of started kicking up and all these different people were coming in asking me different questions. One person was on my right talking to me while the IV person was putting the IV in to distract me. She missed, so I was focused on that instead of the person talking to me. I'm like my squirting blood everywhere. At first, I was forcing myself to be nervous so that because I was convinced that they would give me more like fun drugs if I seemed very anxious. But then it turned into like real anxiety. And I, once all the wires were hooked up and everything, I was like, oh my God, this is happening. And I actually started to get really anxious. And I mean, they were going to give me the drugs anyway, so I don't know why I needed to put on a show, but I just felt like I had to. So my whole life, when I'm at the doctor, it's always been my mom with me or just by myself. And I've never had a significant other in that situation with me. So that was kind of an interesting experience. It was so So... Um, during all the pre-op, he was right next to my bed, like right next to me the whole time, up until they wheeled me out into the operation room. So he's very close, seeing everything happening, very intimate. And I almost felt like, almost embarrassed, if, if that makes, like, if that makes sense. Yeah, like being the patient, being the weak yeah, one. Yeah, I felt almost like. Being the one that needs support. Yeah, yeah that always is weird. Yeah, I, here I am in this bed, having all these people attend to me, and he's just kind of sitting there and like. I'm naked under my hospital gown, and like he's seen me naked before all the time, but for some reason being there, I just felt very vulnerable and embarrassed almost. So yeah. that was weird, but he was very kind and supportive and helpful. And then, I mean, basically, they one they uh, injected the the fun drug, 
into the IV and I watched it go all the way down and then I watched it go into my hand. Oh, that's crazy. No, it's the most fun thing ever. Um, I totally understand why heroin people do it. I mean, I can't say that because it, it wasn't heroin, but I get the rush of like seeing something go into your arm like via a needle. It's like a much different experience than any other type of route of administration. Where they give you. Now, I don't know what it's called. So propofol is this, is the anesthesia, correct? So propofol is that Michael Jackson drug. I'm oh, I'm pretty sure that propofol is the fun one. And then something else puts you to sleep. I don't know. But so... Did you go to sleep? Yeah. So I was, it was general anesthesia. So they gave me the fun stuff. I was super loopy and like laughing my ass off, getting wheeled into the... <laughs> and you see all the weird shit that people do. I would love that. So yeah, I was super loopy going into the bathroom, and then really all that I remember was a bunch of people all around me, someone was putting an oxygen mask on my face, and it was basically just like, take three deep breaths, and I breathed once, and then I was out. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, and I tried to rip all the IVs out immediately, because that's what happens when I come to, that's happened the other two times that I've been under, I just come out like, get this shit off of me. A lot of people do that, I've heard. I also, while I was coming out, I was also saying, you guys deserve hundreds of thousands of dollars. I guess I was just, I wanted them to, you know, make more money. I didn't feel like they were justified in the salary. Yeah, so I don't know why I said those things. I mean, nobody ever knows why they say stuff when they get out of anesthesia. But yeah, I mean, it felt like it was a second and it was a couple hours. Yeah, then they gave me an oxycodone to go home. We basically slept in the car the whole way, and then I just kind of vegged out the whole weekend to recover. That's very yeah. yeah. And I got to take care of Keenan the whole time. Auntie Haynes and little Peen Bean, we had a blast. Pino had a doggy date with his long-distance girlfriend, Butter. Butter is a large... She's a bad girl. She's a mini golden doodle, but very large compared to Pino. And unfortunately, Butter left a big old dookie in my kitchen so her parents were not very happy with her that night anyway and did pino comfort you oh pino i was just craving pino i was surprised you had me take care of him one more night it was really my boyfriend's doing because like i was really not capable of moving the rest of the night and he just didn't really want to deal with pino and so I, i i wasn't really in the mood to like get up and take him out because i was just sleeping the rest of the night and like if he wasn't gonna do it then whatever but so yeah we just took off the rest of the night little bean little beano i have so many nicknames for him i've been calling him a weeno lately like 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 weenie like peeny weenie but pino weeno I call him Peenie Weenie. Oh, oh, speaking of pet names, big news, everyone. I picked out my kitten. I forgot to tell everyone last episode. So almost a week ago from when we're recording this right now, I picked out a little orange kitty and his foster name is Punky, but I'm going to name him Pastuzo. And I came up with that name because of the Paddington movies. I absolutely love Paddington. He is the most kind bear. Mm. And in Paddington number one, Uncle Pastuzo dies for Paddington and Aunt Lucy. It's right at the beginning. Oh, okay. It's literally in the first minute of the movie. And he sacrifices his life for Aunt Lucy and Paddington so that Paddington can find his way to London and meet the Browns. It is 
the most heart-wrenching story. So Uncle Pastuzo is a hero, and my okay. kitty is going to be named after Pastuzo. Pastuzo. Yeah, and I'm going to call him Stu or Stuby or uh, Stuzo. Yeah, he he's the best. I get him in two weeks. We're very excited. Uh, so, Cindy, last question. Please tell me the sensations and emotions and overall outlook on life when you finally had that first burp. I had my first, I won't even say call it a burp, it was a micro burp, that's the proper term. I had it when I was sitting on my couch the day or two days after. It was like 4.30 in the morning, my sleep schedule was completely out of whack because I had slept for 15 hours the day before. And I was just kind of sitting on the couch and the sun was rising. And then all of a sudden, I just let out this whoosh of air. And it's like, Ooh. I was like, oh, my God, I swallowed air and then it came back up. And it was the most insane thing to me that this happened. And so I turned to Austin because he was awake with me. And he was like, yeah, I mean, that happens. And so, like, knowing that it's something that's so normal and like a fart for people, and to me, it was just this entirely new feeling and sensation. Like, that in and of itself blew my mind. And so the awe I, I have when I'm still making those noises is still there. And I can tell it's the kind of thing that'll probably wear off, and eventually I'll just do it after every time I eat or swallow air, and it'll, it'll be normal. But knowing where I was before and being here now and having, like, such, like it's such a tiny little thing that to some people doesn't seem huge, but to people in this no birth community who have suffered with the symptoms of it, which I don't really know if I even got into, but basically the symptoms are you have this terrible bloating, often like throughout the day that does not improve, or you're just farting a fuck ton, which is super embarrassing. And a lot of times it can lead to digestive issues because you're having all these, you know, bloating and inflammation stuff going on. You know, knowing that there's much more attention and, and people, more people are getting it and I can go to a doctor and be taken seriously. It is, it's just the most amazing feeling. I, I don't know. I can't even put it into words. The human body is truly a miracle. It really is. It really is. I wish I could have been there. Here, let's try it. Okay. So it helps. It usually happens now and they say it takes about um, like one to two or three weeks for the Botox to actually take effect. They actually put Botox in your esophagus. Right. So that's what it was. So um, the way to treat this issue is you get a shot of Botox into your cricopharyngeal muscle, um, which is basically your upper esophageal sphincter. Two sphincters in your body, one in your ass, one in your esophagus. Um, and it's basically in a constant state of constriction, except for two points. When you swallow, it relaxes. And when you pass air up, it relaxes. Now, for some people, it does not relax when they have to pass air back up so hence the retrograde name it does not do that some people have cricopharyngeal dysfunction and they have issues swallowing and i'd rather not be able to burp yeah i mean that that just sounds horrible although it ha it's like much more common in the medical world as far as treatment and being taken seriously so there's that as well but basically you get your botox injection so it relaxes that muscle consistently so some of the side effects that I'm actually experiencing right now, I'm having issues swallowing. I have to pretty much be on a liquid diet or the food just doesn't really swallow all the way. Um, now that's not permanent. And, and once the Botox starts to wear off, so will this side effect. And the hope is, and, and what generally happens for, I think they say four to five people, is that 
when the Botox wears off, your muscle has had enough practice to relearn basically how to burp so that it can do it without the Botox when it wears off. Now, some people to go get a second injection, but I think the statistic for those who have two injections, like 90% of people or 95% of people are cured after two. So I think like 75% of people are cured after one and a second one, like, you know, it's a much higher statistic. So that I am not able to burp and then they, I make it all the way through to the surgery. Do you think if they just like slip and get my forehead instead? I was so hoping that, but I would suggest to not do that because I'm lucky enough to have a really good insurance plan only for the next like seven months because I'm turning 26 in August, but my parents' insurance covered a huge proportion of the surgery. So totally it was a $20,000 procedure. Um, I don't think Botox costs that much for your forehead. So I would suggest just going the regular route for that. Unless you have good insurance, then who knows? I'm struggling with hitting my quarter life and starting to see wrinkles. I've had really bad, is this crow's feet? Is that yeah. what it's called? I've had really bad crow's feet for a while. Yeah, and my forehead, it's because I always raise my eyebrows. All right, so the trade-off there is you have an expressive face. I do have a very and expressive And people without expressive faces, I don't like. Oh, okay. So you like me? I do, yeah. People always tell me that I have a very expressive face. And people also often tell me if I have not met them before, like let's say I'm having a day where I become acquainted with several people that did not know me before, like a, a bridal party or, you know, some sort of group activity. A murder mystery. Like a summer camp. Yeah, a murder mystery party, something like that. People always tell me, oh my God, you totally remind me of so-and-so. I think that's happened like six times, at least once a month. People are like, you remind me of my friend. You remind me of this and that. Although multiple times over Christmas break, I was told that I remind them of a princess, a Disney princess. Oh, Anne Hathaway? No. I mean, that would be great. No. Do I remind you of Anne Hathaway? No. Oh, oh before or after? Okay, okay, okay. I've never been sat on. But yeah, some people told me I look like a Disney princess, Snow White, or Ursula whenever she becomes pretty. Okay, I never saw it. Oh, it was good. All right. In the spirit of interviews, although Cindy is my co-host, today she is the interviewee, and we are going to do some rapid fire. I want to try and just let me burn. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I'm still kind of at the will of my body I can't really control it now but what I've realized is that it usually happens after I take like a sip of water or something so here we go a little burp ASMR for you fuck (laughs) okay it was my burp that was supposed to be first (laughs) it was the second one no she truly looked like a virgin burping like it's not a cute face. She's like losing her burp virginity and it's like scary but <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, rapid fire questions. At the end of our interviews, we typically ask five random rapid fire questions and I need you to respond as briefly and quickly as possible. Are you ready? What are you reading right now? Arguing the case for southern cessation and it's basically about why the United States, why the South should have seceded from the United States and why the propaganda of the North being anti-slavery and super good and holy is not really true and that Abe Lincoln 
was not that great of a president and actually used the Civil War to his advantage and gain. And I'm just kind of starting, but that yeah, wasn't great, great, was it? <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> what are you watching right now? Vikings! What would be your last meal on Earth? Sushi, I think. Sushi comes from a whole new world spot. Um, in my hometown, so not just any sushi. What is your favorite Scandinavian country? I've never been to one, but the one I really want to go to is Norway. Describe your first makeout session. It was in a movie theater. It was the the movie was The Machinist or the yeah The Machinist I think with Christian Bale where he had to like become 115 pounds and it was disgusting. And this guy's he was older than me and he like clearly just wanted to fuck even though I was in love with him. And there were people in the movie theater, and he just wanted to get laid, so he grabbed my face and started making out with me, even though there were people, like, two rows behind us, and I was shaking so badly because I had never been kissed before, and I knew it was about to happen. So your first kiss was a makeout? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, first kiss and makeout session all at once. It sucked, but I mean, it is what it is. I was like, what is that? Is yeah. that his tongue? Yeah, it was oh. such a weird sensation, and, like, also just knowing that I was in public and there was a movie going on that was not romantic at all and there were just other people in the theater like it was just it was it was terrible it was just like the epitome of a high school makeout yeah uh I feel like a a secret summary that we've had to this show is that if anyone out there has been listening first times are not the best times no no that's to all our young fans or maybe our old fans yeah to all you virgins out there Including me. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, are we going to do um, fake news? Or do you not want to do fake news? I don't want to do it. Okay. Next time. We don't have to do fake news. Okay. I wasn't really feeling it either. Nice. I love when that happens. Love everyone. No structure. No filter. Boop.